Today's show is brought to you by Jubilee Old Gym Covent Garden. Need an effective workout using state-of-the-art equipment in the earth of London West End? Then visit Jubilee Old on the corner of Covent Garden, where you can also check out the gym sauna, as well as a whole host of great fitness classes. Join the best gym in central London with memberships start from just £14.98 per week. Find out more at jubileoldgym.co.uk or telephone 020 78 36 40 07 to work out at Jubilee Old Gym, Covent Garden. Greetings listeners and welcome once again to the Two Guys on Fitness podcast. Uh, we are coming to you uh, from London, England at the Jubilee Hall Gym in the heart of London's heaving West End. And it is heaving. Uh, today, uh, the streets are packed with people coming and going and enjoying the weekend. I'm sitting here with my good podcast buddy, Julian Bertharat, the personal trainer on this here podcast. Hello, Julian. How are things? Everything is okay. The year is going well and weather-wise, you know, it's getting better. So rather in a good mood. What about you, Alan? Oh, I am cooking on gas, my good fine French friend. Um, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Two Guys on Fitness podcast, what we tend to do every month is look at all things fitness, health, diet and healthy lifestyle related and we even throw in a little bit of exercise now and again so you lovely listeners can also enjoy a healthy listen do you like that julian i threw a lot of health there into the introduction everything was very healthy so um last month on the podcast julian was working with some cables uh, and if you want to check out the video for that you can do on our website or on his youtube um and this month what we're going to do is we're going to do something which we promised to do at the time when we interviewed the woman concerned but now finally we are getting around to it and we are going to speak to a woman called olivia trump who last time we spoke to her which was some time ago now as I recall I'm just looking at my notes and I'm filling a little bit that's right it was in episode 51 so 10 episodes ago uh, we sat down with Olivia Trump and had a conversation with her as she was preparing to take part in the PCA first time as five competition so we spoke to her about what her preparation was like for that competition and what it involved and this month we have sat down with her to find out what happened on the day what happened afterwards and what she learned from taking part. Funny enough, I've had a chance to listen to this interview, which my good friend here, Julian, did with uh, the uh, lovely Olivia Trump. And it is indeed very, very interesting. So you sat down with Olivia. How was she, Julian? Well, it was good. It was uh, nice, as always, to see Olivia and to know that, uh, yeah, because in between competition, what's next? You know, this kind of uh, thoughts, people like that, you go through a tough competition, long preparation competition it's always hard to rebound after i guess and uh, once again the interview went well L- a lot of uh, interesting things said by olivia and uh, yeah i hope you enjoy the interview i think uh, that the lovely listeners will indeed enjoy the interview and um what we'll also do on the other side of it you may be pleased to hear everybody is we will have a little chat about uh, the interview itself and then we'll take some listener questions as well but none of for this introductory talk this everybody is julian and olivia trump mm-hmm. 
So hello everyone, we are back with Olivia Trump. Uh, if you remember her, she was competing a few months ago. So we last spoke to you in June last year. Uh, my first question is, uh, how did it go and how do you feel? Yeah, it went really well. I was really happy with it. Um, I did three competitions back to back in the end. So I did three weekends on the trot. Um, I didn't place at my first two, but they were brilliant experiences and they were really big categories as well. Um, and then my final show, I came fifth um, and I was really happy with my physique, my whole experience. And yeah, it, it went really well. I was really happy with it, especially for a first season. So was my coach. So, of course, people want to know, like, what have you been up to since then? Are you still working at Jubilee or...? Um, so I actually started a new job just after my last competition. So I worked at Jubilee throughout my competition weeks. And then just after my final comp, I started over as a group exercise manager at Third Space in Soho, um, which has been a massive change of pace. So it was quite, I'd say overwhelming post-competition because I was trying to deal with reverse dieting myself out of a massive deficit and putting healthy weight back on alongside starting a new job role and learning all of these new systems and meeting lots of new people. So it was quite an overwhelming um, thing to deal with straight after you've competed. I'm glad that I wasn't competing at the time that I started over there. Um, I think I would have really struggled kind of the last few weeks up until competition. I had really bad kind of brain fog and my concentration and my memory and stuff really suffered. So I think starting a new job whilst in competition would have been really difficult. I mean, it was hard enough doing it coming out of the other side of a competition when I was starting to eat more and train less. Um, so it's been, yeah, a big shift in, in changing environments and it's very quick and busy over there and there's, there's not a lot of time to sit still and kind of reflect. So it's quite a high stress environment. So it's okay to say, it's correct to say that you did compete. So obviously it's very challenging for yourself. And on the sideline, your new job is very competitive and very you level up as well? Yeah, I think it's a kind of looking at all of the people that I work alongside now and the type of training they do. It's a very different environment, which I think has probably impacted my mindset a little bit and probably been good for me. Um, just in that a lot of the people that I work with now, coming from kind of a scene that a lot of the guys that we were, I worked with before obviously have done competitions and were very much within that world. Whereas in my new place of work, it's very much performance-based. So it's a lot about kind of CrossFit competitions and high rocks, which is obviously blown up this year. Um, so it's kind of taken, not taken my shift away from bodybuilding training because I'm still doing it. But I think it's really interesting to see the different mindsets of people that I work with now and kind of them trying to understand where I was coming from, that competitive background, moving into an environment like that. So they're competitive, but in a very different way. Back to you, the future, the, the next, what's the next step for you? You were preparing for the PCA first, Timer Bodybuilding and Fitness Competition. Uh, remind our listeners what is what this what about. Uh, so I took part in, it was a first timers comp. Um, so everyone that stepped on stage had never competed before. Um, and that was kind of just to get my, my foot in the door, kind of get a feel for what show day was like and have an experience in it to settle me in before my next couple of competitions. In the bikini category, they're looking for balance top to bottom. So I think a lot of people have a misconception that bikini girls have to be really small, which isn't always the case. I mean, if you look up at the pros in kind of Olympia and, and over in the Americas and stuff, the girls aren't small. They're just very lean and quite muscular, but they're very balanced kind of through their musculature from top to bottom. And that's what my category was looking for. So, of course, how did it go? Yeah, I was really happy with it. Um, I really enjoyed the whole 
process. Like I traveled up to Birmingham the day before. Um, I had some of my friends and family come with me. So that kind of, I think, helped keep my nerves at bay. My coach was brilliant. She was there with me on show day. Um, so I didn't have, I literally didn't have to worry about anything. She was very quick to be in contact with me about any worries I had and very quickly squashed any anxieties. So I really enjoyed it. The show day went really well. Everything ran really smoothly. And yeah, I just enjoyed the whole experience. Kind of, I think I was really nervous going into it, knowing that I was going to have to be kind of alone backstage because they, as a first timers competition, they don't allow you to have your coaches backstage with you. Um, and I think that's just uh, so that everyone's on a fair playing field. Some people obviously had their coaches there on the day and some didn't. So by not allowing coaches backstage, it kind of puts everyone on a level playing field that you don't have someone there holding your hand. So it was nice to sit down with all the girls. Um, there were a couple of girls that I'd been talking to before the competition that I knew were going. And I, it was really lovely to meet up with them. They're from all over the country. So yeah, it was nice to meet everyone and have a chat with people that have been going through the same thing that you have for the last 20 or so weeks. You mentioned anxiety. Would you say there is a lot of anxiety in uh, in bodybuilding uh, world? I think I was really lucky because I... I can be quite an anxious person day to day. And I think actually this process has probably taken a lot of that out of me and really kind of shifted and changed my mindset and how I approach life and my confidence levels. And not just because of how I looked, but just because of the mental battles I had to go through. I think it's actually really helped me. Um, I know that there are probably people out there that it's potentially made their anxiety worse or it's affected them mentally in other ways. But For me, I felt really lucky because I kind of expected to have loads of nerves and show day jitters and was, I think myself and everyone I was with was really surprised at how relaxed I was. I kind of didn't worry about everything. I kind of put my feet up and just got to have a laugh on the day and was really relaxed. So I feel quite lucky that that was my first experience and it hasn't made me ever worry about going back on stage. Like I know I'm very capable of it and I enjoyed the whole process. So it wasn't, uh, I wasn't worried on the day. It was, uh, I kind of, it was, it was anxiety to get on stage and get it done because I was excited more than anything else. So just to get back to the, the D-Day of the competition, like, uh, can you basically talk us through what happened on the day before and on the day after, or on the day itself? Um, so the day before, I drove up to Birmingham. Um, I needed to get up there quite early. My coach, basically, I would check in with her for the final week before my comp. I checked in with my coach every single morning. On the day, day before my competition, I checked in after every single meal. So Rosie gave me my meals every couple of hours um, and kind of told me roughly what I would need. So she said I'd need rice cakes and chicken and peanut butter and all those sorts of things. But she gave me my actual amounts kind of meal by meal. Um, and then I would check in about an hour after I'd eaten just so she could see how my body was reacting to the food that I was eating. Um, it was tough to manage with kind of the long drive up because I kind of had to, I had to eat just before I left. And then obviously an hour later I needed to check in, which meant I had to stop at like a service station and go into one of the disabled toilets, put my bikini on my heels and check in at a service station. So that was a bit of a weird one. But um, I went up there, I got settled into my hotel. Um, I had to go and get my base coat of tan that evening. So went and registered, got my number for my show and got my base tan. And then it was just a case of getting back to the hotel, putting my feet up and trying to relax as much as possible. So literally laying on the floor with my feet up kind of on the bed to reduce any water. Yeah, it seems to be very um, 
tight. Everything is tight on the day. So, so what was the atmosphere like and the vibe amongst uh, those taking part? Um, everyone was really lovely. I think there sometimes can be a bit of a misconception of what bodybuilders are like, I think. And don't get me wrong, there probably are people like this out there, but I don't think I really had any experience of it in that it's competitive. The people that you're backstage with, obviously you're stepping on stage and competing against them and trying to beat them. But there's this sense of camaraderie that you've all gone through this whole process separately but together mm -hmm. and I think there's a massive respect for one another as athletes and that shows on show day like you all sit backstage and you're taking pictures together and you're talking and you're kind of going through your prep files and showing where you started from and how you got there and I just think it's probably very different than people would expect it to be um I think even kind of my family, when they asked me about it, said that they would expect it to be like quite a bitchy environment and they'd expect people to be very closed off to talking to other people and would be in their own zone and not want to interact with anyone. But that wasn't my experience at all. I think everyone was really friendly. Um, when I got there, obviously I had to go in and, and get changed into my bikini and everything on my own. And because I had all my hair and my makeup and everything done, um, it was really hard. And I had hair extensions at the time, so I had lots of hair to try and get through, which trying to put on like a bikini that's fastened in a way that you're not used to and gets caught on things because of diamantes and all sorts like it was really weird but as I was trying to get into my bikini backstage a girl that I'd literally never met before and hadn't spoken to was like oh do you want me to give you a hand and it was just really friendly and lovely and I think just before you get on stage you probably get those like nervous jitters but everyone's just so excited for each other that you've kind of finally made it to show day so yeah it's it's a really nice environment I think. Yeah, the, all these competitions are nice because they, they sort of, it's a showcase for the bodybuilding world and it's compared to maybe decade and decade ago, now it's like more like welcoming and uh, yeah. What did you do immediately after the event? Um, I walked off stage and immediately kind of, I got this really massive like punch of adrenaline. So as soon as I stepped off stage, I got really, really shaky. My coach was calling me and I think it was because she was worried that I was upset because I hadn't placed. Um, but I basically went downstairs, grabbed all my stuff to get outside to meet everyone that had come to watch me. Um, and as soon as I saw them, I kind of burst into tears and I was just, I couldn't, I just kept saying to them, I can't believe I just did that. Um, we ran back to my hotel dropped my stuff and let me get changed and then we basically went out for food um so my coach said I could have an off-plan meal straight after show whatever I wanted um she asked me not to try to not go too crazy in terms of like how much I'm eating um but obviously anything compared to what I had been eating for the last kind of six to eight weeks before show was going to feel like a lot um so me and my friends and my sister went over to TGI Friday's And we had food over there and then we basically went back and went to sleep because I think show day is such a, you have this massive build up and then you're kind of sat for hours throughout the day just chilling and then you're kind of on and off the stage really quickly. Um, so I feel like I almost kind of, my brain didn't really get a time, like a minute to process what was going on. Um, so yeah, I think it was just nice to go out and finally have a meal with friends because I hadn't had an off-plan meal for sort of 10 to 12 weeks pre-show. So just getting to go out and have normal food with people was, um, it was really nice. So obviously it was your first competition. So how did your training and diet change after the event? Um, so post show, after I'd done my three events back to back, um, I actually got quite ill before, just before my final show. 
Um, so I came down with this kind of really horrible cold and it stuck with me for months and I probably only shook it in about January. Um, but post-show, immediately, the first thing to do was kind of to try and remove as much stress from the body as possible. So we took a nice big food bump so that I was eating more food, um, making sure that I was rehydrating again because obviously just before show, you, you cut water down. Um, so hydration played a big part in, in kind of that. Uh, do you train differently on nowadays after the show? Um, I'm still training in a very similar way. Um, so what we did was we took, we did my reverse diet. And while I was reverse dieting, I kind of kept training the same sort of sessions, but we pulled back on intensity just to allow my body some time to recover. Um, once we had all the feedback from the judges, we looked at the areas that they wanted to see improvements in, in terms of like muscle growth. They said I had a really great frame for bikini and they just wanted to see a little bit more kind of density, like around the upper glutes um, and in the adductors. So Rosie then adjusted my training program based on that. So we went to training um six days a week rather than five um no pretty much no cardio I was basically just doing steps to make sure that I wasn't staying too kind of sluggish um so I moved to training three uppers and three lowers a week um we kept monitoring that over the first couple of weeks post-show and we basically kept that training split all the way up until I recovered from this coldy flu thing that I had kind of the middle to end of January And then since then, we've changed my training split so that I train uppers twice a week and lowers four times a week. And that's just because we found that my upper body was developing really quickly compared to my lower. So I've always found kind of growing muscle through my shoulders and my back quite easy. So I've got quite a dense upper body. Um, so we just wanted to make sure that we were maintaining that balanced physique that bikini's looking for. So we backed off the upper body a little bit and we're now focusing more on lower body development. But yeah, I still train in a very similar way, but just a lot less cardio now. So, of course, the listener, I'm sure they want to know, like, will you be taking part in a similar competition in the future? So the current plan is, I think because it's my second season, I can be a little bit more flexible in terms of what I commit to. So last year, a lot of the shows that I wanted to do were shows that were going to get booked really up really far in advance. So we had to commit to them. So this year, what we've done is we've kind of set a date. Um, for when I'd be looking to compete if I wanted to step on stage. So I'm basically keeping my prep exactly the same as if I was going to compete. But the plan right now is for me to prep for a photo shoot. Um, and then if we kind of decide, if Rosie looks at my physique and goes, yep, you could be stage ready in two or three weeks, um, then we can manipulate kind of my diet, my training um, to reflect that. But right now, I think we've decided photo shoot in September. Um, just because I think with the job that I'm doing now, I really don't know if mentally I could cope with another prep and keep my work standards as high as they need to be. Um, so I think just removing that pressure of committing to a date and paying for a show and everything has really helped me and means that like my body is holding on to a lot less water because my cortisol levels aren't as high. So yeah, we are prepping. I've started prep about two weeks ago. Um, which means we've started to bring my food down, put my cardio back up again. Um, but there's no kind of set dates, but we're looking around the sort of September time again, if I was going to step on stage. After going through your first competition, so of course I want to ask you, what will, you, uh, what will be your advice for women thinking of taking part in similar events? Be really sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, I think. Having caught up with a few of the girls on the day, um, the girls that were kind of more nervous and really found the last few weeks really, really difficult um, were girls that were kind of, they didn't 
didn't have a solid purpose as to why they were doing it. It was very much they'd committed because they thought it would be fun and they thought it was really glamorous. And and I think that it's really important before you decide to commit to understand fully kind of how expensive it is, how much of your life it takes up, because it is completely consuming. Um, it's an amazing experience, but it takes a lot from a person in terms of not just leading up to the show, but even post-show, I think is almost more difficult because I think people assume that once you finish competing, you can just go straight back to the same lifestyle you had before your prep and you can eat what you want and do what you like. And that for me, I think was the harder side of things was coming out of the other side of show um, and kind of getting people to understand you can't just go straight back to your normal life. You, um, uh, and no matter how kind of strict you stay, like you look very different on show day than you even look three, four days before. So you can imagine kind of how quickly that definition in your physique looks totally different a week later. And it's it, it really does play games with your mind. So just make sure when you're getting into it that you are really doing it for the right reasons and you understand everything about prep, show, post-show and reverse dieting. Like it's all, it's a really big game. So do your research. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's true. I saw I saw you know so, uh, on your social media posts you different picture of you and that's true. You look different in almost all of them. So yeah, I guess you you need a strong mindset to understand where you're going eating. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you mentioned that it's expensive. Um, so how expensive? Uh, what we're talking about the food, the entry for the show. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm talking, obviously, if you're, you're paying for a coach, I paid for a coach and a posing coach. So I had two different people on the go at once. Um, it's all the food. Um, obviously, when you're prepping, it's a little bit easier because you start to cut your food down, so you're not eating as much. Um, but bulking, I say bulking, um, your off-season is, is just as important. So for muscle growth, you obviously need to be eating a lot of protein. And so it, it does get expensive in terms of food. Supplements, um, eventually you will need to be taking supplements to make sure that you're keeping your body in a good position health-wise because obviously you are depriving it of some of the nutrients it probably needs. Um, and then, yeah, you look at kind of a, sh a show. If I talk you through a typical show weekend, it's you're paying a registration fee for that federation. You're paying entry fees for your classes. You're paying for your bikinis, which aren't cheap, even if you go for kind of the cheaper end of the spectrum. Um, you've got heels, you've then got tan, hair, makeup, accommodation. So if you're obviously traveling away, you need to stay somewhere, travel. Um, so yeah, it, it all really does add up. So just have a chat with someone who's competed. Um, there's lots of podcasts and kind of articles online and lots of people that, that are very transparent on their social medias about how expensive it is. So yeah, you've just got to make sure that you can commit to something because It, it really does add up. I think even me going into it, knowing that it was expensive, kind of you get to, sh to close to your shows and you kind of go, oh my gosh, I need to sort out this and that. And you don't realize how expensive it becomes and it all, it all does add up. Yeah, it sounds like uh, quite heavy, no holiday for you before the show. And uh, what would be your advice absolutely not to do from your experience? I'd say try not to go to your show on your own. I know that's probably easier said than done for some people. Um, but I think the one show that I... I didn't go to on my own, but I had less people there with me leading up to the show was my final one. So even though I'd done it twice already, I think the night before I was probably a lot more nervous because I didn't have anyone with me taking my mind off what was going on. Um, And obviously, I think you really end up with these kind of mental tricks being played on yourself because your brain is in such a foggy position because it's hungry. So 
I think having someone with you on show day is really, really important. So I was lucky enough that I had people at every show, but just that night before, I I almost really struggled on my last show because I just felt quite lonely and isolated the night before. Like it is a lonely sport. And if you can find someone or some people, or if you've got a good coach that, that is there to support you, then then yeah, that is one thing I'd definitely stick with. Make sure you don't eat too much after your show. Um, I think one of my shows, my last one, the first thing I did when I got off stage was like eat this this cookie and it was the amazing at the time and then probably about half an hour later I regretted it because I felt so tired and sluggish and what I should have done getting straight off stage was hydrate because I had probably my water loading for that week was as high as it had been so I'd got up to seven liters so then to dehydrate myself for the two days before my show I didn't realize how much of a massive impact it had on my body and I should have rehydrated first so when you step off stage the first thing you need to do is drink a really big glass of water. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed quite a lot this uh, this podcast, this interview, and uh, and the first one. I hope there will more to come, like to to follow uh, uh, Olivia in uh, in your in your career. By the way, where people can find you and even meet you on on social media and. Um so my Instagram is at liveconstance underscore. Um, so I kind of journal everything on there. I'm actually. It will probably be up by the time this comes out. Um, but I'm actually about to do a post and it's probably my first proper physique update since post-show. And it's been about six months now. And it's just going to be talking about kind of the importance of not focusing on the scales all the time and kind of body composition and stuff like that. So it's something I've really struggled with and I think only now I'm probably accepting it. So yeah, have a little look. Well, it's uh, if you have any question about bodybuilding, you can ask Olivia. She's been through, she knows what it is now. And uh, thank you so much, Olivia, for the interview and uh, see you soon. Thank you for having me. I hope to be back soon. So that's Olivia and Julian there uh, talking about Olivia's preparation for the PCA First Timers 5 competition way back in episode 51. One. Now, a couple of things struck me from your conversation with Olivia, who uh, we need to thank for taking part once again in uh, the podcast, because it is absolutely fascinating hearing her point of view. But the thing that struck me is how much time and effort and planning needs to go into these competitions. Well, I think um, Olivia uh, explained it very well. I think it's uh, 24 hours seven days a week effort and uh, everything what you eat what you do train every hour of the day are plan toward this competition and obviously when you go closer to the competition you get harder so it is a huge thing and um, i think it never crossed my mind to do that but if you need to learn any sort of uh, Uh, mindset uh, structure in your training uh, I think competing if you've got the gut to do it will teach you a lot of things like that you know like to how to prepare yourself over months and stick to a plan sounds pretty nerve-wracking though the whole process sounded pretty nerve-wracking Yes, it is It is a, a long run because, you know, to prepare yourself over six months, six months is a fairly long time to, on a daily basis, each day over these six months to, to think about this competition, to prepare this competition. It's, you don't have really an uh, holiday things. Um, so it's quite, it's demanding, you know, very demanding. 
And for the women, I think, uh, from the uh, description that Olivia was giving of the preparation she had to put into in terms of what she was wearing and her hair, uh, for example, it seems that women have to do a lot more and give a lot more attention to detail than perhaps the men do. Or do you, do you think that's not the case? No, no, it is the case. I mean, if I learn, you know, I talk to a few bodybuilders, female and male, and, you know, if there is something they are excellent with, it's uh, the details, you know, the, they pay attention to details when it comes to training, the way they train, they try to eat every target, every muscle, to reach every muscle. Uh, when it comes to the competition, yes, uh, Olivia mentioned uh, the preparation from the for the air. It's a bit like modeling, you know. It's all around competition. It's not just like, uh, you know, when I was playing rugby, I was just <laughs> getting ready, putting my short, and and that's it. I was not like preparing more than that. So uh, I think it's yeah, the tan. And she mentioned it, you know, all that costs something. So you know, before you get into it. Uh, I would definitely recommend anyone, uh, female especially, to to talk to Olivia to to make sure they understand where they're getting into. Now, Olivia also talks about the technical dimension uh, of her training and preparation for the competition, how she trained the top part of her body and her, the lower part of her body. Do you think you can actually train like that without the advice of a trainer or an expert? Can you organise that kind of very technical training yourself if you go to the gym? Well, I have to say this is not my my field of expertise, but from what I understand, I will say yes, you need someone who's been uh, doing competition, who know how it works, because uh, training yourself, understanding exercise, it's one thing, but to prepare a competition, I think it's another thing. And yeah, she actually have two coach. You know, she had a coach for the for the posing. Uh, how to walk on stage, all that, and then there's a coach like uh, uh, training wise, you know. And I think it's uh, yeah, especially if it's your first competition, I would definitely uh, ask somebody's help, you know, to to go through. And there's nothing wrong to ask for help anyway. So. And finally, I just want to ask, Olivia clearly put a huge amount of effort and time into preparing for the competition, as. A lot of the competitors, if not all, the competitors do when they take part. Do you think that's a good investment for people who uh, are interested in going down that path? Is it worthwhile thing to do, in your opinion? Well, yeah, it's you know, I would say, do not. My my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, I can give an opinion if you want, but it's. Uh, I think it's everybody. I can talk just for for example for myself. I. Uh, I had this competition, challenging vibe all my life when I was playing rugby. I understand that when you come to the gym, you know, she's been working uh, uh, in fitness industry. You want to go to competition to challenge yourself. I think there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, as she said, as I will say as well, just ask people around. Uh, you, the only thing you can be think about uh, is how you sure you want to do it is what's your motivation but yeah i don't think it's um it's part of nowadays um um picture of the fitness industry you can compete and show off your work so there's nothing wrong with that indeed and just once again we just want to thank olivia trump for taking the time to sit down with julian and share her experience 
and what she had learned, what she has learned uh, with us once again, and particularly because that involved sitting down with Mr. Julian Bertharet here, which is a challenge in itself. Yes, that's very funny, Alan. That, indeed, it is a challenge to understand my French accent. But uh, uh, also, I think, like, I just want to add to uh, to resume this interview. Uh, the first interview with Olivia was quite popular um, uh, with uh, our listeners. So uh, I'm sure the second interview with Olivia will be the same, if not better. Interested in popular culture, movies, music, and politics? Then check out ageofdivision.com to read reviews, retrospectives, and commentary on the current crazy world we live in. Ageofdivision.com, where popular culture meets the world we live in. Now, every month on the podcast, as regular listeners will be aware, we dip into the Two Guys on Fitness mailbag, pull out two questions or two comments sometimes, and we have a little chat about those two communications. Uh, Communications, not a very formal way of putting it, wasn't it, Julian? He's looking at me in a slightly uh, confused manner now, everybody. Um, So uh, if you do want to get in touch with the podcast, you can do so by going to our website, twoguysonfitness.com or you can go to his website julienbertera.com or you can check out our social media which means our Facebook page our Twitter or our Instagram and we absolutely love it when people get in touch okay so first up this month we have a question from John who says he lives in Lincoln and his question is as follows which came to us through our website and the question goes like this the question goes like this when did I start talking like this okay what do you do if you get bored with training I don't know if I'm bored or fatigued but recently I've had to drag myself to the gym I'm in my mid-30s and fit but I feel tired that's John there from Lincoln. And uh, I just want to say, John, regardless of what Julian's about to say, uh, when he comments on your question, I know exactly sometimes how you feel. Okay, Julian, uh, what happens when you find yourself in the position of our listener here, John, uh, where he says he doesn't know whether he's bored or fatigued, but now he's having to drag himself to the gym? Does that happen to you? And if it does, what do you do about it? The... Um a lot of people get bored on uh, I get bored myself in my, in my mid-32. And uh, so it makes me think about how to train myself. Basically, one of the best ideas is to focus on two things, which is the form, how to, perfect, how to perform an exercise with the correct form, and to put the right intensity into it. Also, I would say also no phone when you train. Do not be tempted to bring your phone on the gym floor because you're likely to use it, so don't bring it. And allow little break uh, for yourself between sets. Yeah, that's my best advice to go through. So the next question we have is from Abby, who got in touch with us by uh, Twitter to ask, I listen to your podcast when I can and I like it. What is this thing you learned the most since you start recording it? So there you go, Julian. This is the kind of question I think uh, you love to hear. Um, how long have you been a personal trainer now? 
I think it's been now 15 years. 15 years. So over that 15 years, what is the thing that you have learned the most about training and being effective when you exercise? Well, it's what you learn. It's uh, for a lot of people, training is not a straightforward process. It's not a natural thing to do. I insist on that. It's not a natural thing to do for a lot of people. It means when you come to train someone who are not into training, you have to be basic. Basic, in my mind, do not mean simple, like uh, to, to lower the bar, if I can say. It means like explain it briefly with minimum of information, exercise and what training is about. For my part, training is very functional. Every time I train, I, 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 attend, I train people, I just want to explain them that the main idea is to use your muscle with the right intensity and the correct form. That's the full stop. That's what I learned is to break down my message to people over the last 15 years. Well, that's a good message, isn't it? Uh, so basically, uh, it's all about form in principle. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, when you perform an exercise, the, you should stick to this, which is you want to do the right things, to perform correctly, to eat, to reach the right muscle. Because you make the effort to come to the gym, maybe to book and pay a personal trainer. This is the minimum. You want to do it with the right form. Then the other word we can use here is the intensity. Trying to perform an exercise with the right intensity is also to understand where the momentum. What is the momentum? Is where you got the muscle fully contracted. It's a bit like when you read a sentence to understand how to where to put the period point. You know, it's very important. It is. Uh, I can see that. I believe. Uh, I think what Julian means by period point, by the way, is full stop. Um, okay. So that's the uh, two uh, questions of the month. Uh, answered. I hope that's uh, useful for you, John and Abby. And remember, everybody, if you want to get in touch, you can do so by contacting us through our website, through his website, or through our social media. I won't do all that again. And uh, we absolutely love it when you get in touch. So there you go, Julian. That's another episode of the Two Guys on Fitness podcast done for another month. And the lovely Olivia Trump took the time to sit down with us and talk about her competition. Did you enjoy the interview with Olivia? Yes, I did. It was um, interesting, as it's not my field of expertise. And I love listening to other people's experience. Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we, uh, for the final time, want to thank Olivia for taking part in the podcast. And what are we going to be doing next month, Julian? Next month will be an essential exercise episode of the podcast. Well, that's a wonderful thing. We like doing those because it means we get a chance to uh, make Julian sweat on the gym floor, uh, which you will also be able to see on video. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for dropping by to the Two Guys on Fitness podcast. And we hope that until we possibly, hopefully meet again next month, you have a good time on the gym floor or wherever it is your exercise. And until we do come together once again, we say to you, enjoy your workout. Mm-hmm.